For me, it began in 1992 with an ending. I was five years old and happened upon a comic shop advertising the death of Superman in its window display. From that moment forward, the Man of Steel has been my favorite character. And now on this podcast, I'm exploring my fandom and examining the creative visions that have shaped the last son of Krypton across media for over 80 years. Welcome to the series premiere of Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato, and joining me for our first flight is DC Comics artist, V. Ken Marion. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Good to be here. Can't wait to talk some Superman. Best character. Best character. I have so been looking forward to starting this podcast and, and in particular talking to you about our shared love of Superman. So I'm so happy that you can be our first guest for this. It's funny because uh, we met through a mutual friend of ours and as best as I recall, it was almost instantaneous in our first meeting that we started talking about Smallville and Superman. It was like right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, because I know I had listened to, because um, I had listened to your show for a while before we had met. So like I knew through your show and how much you liked uh, Smallville. So it was just one of those things that, because I like Smallville a lot too. So it was like good to to catch up and talk about it. And cause I, it's so rare that you, we find like, at least I don't really find a lot of people that are like, I love small. I know it's a popular show, but you know, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that like, I feel like it doesn't like, um, like people don't talk about a lot, like do other shows like, like, you know, from that era. So. Yeah. And I'll actually, I'll go a step further and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but despite how popular Superman is, and he's this global icon been around for over 80 years, I can't think of so many instances uh, along my journey that I've met someone who, who shares the love of the character, uh, that, that I have, you know, who can really say Superman's my favorite character. I love Superman. Obviously there are plenty of Superman fans, but again, in my own experience, I haven't met a ton of other people who, who really share that deep, deep appreciation for the character. Have you? No, it's funny you brought that up. I mean, I remember in college I got made fun of for liking Superman the best. Like it was like among my comic book like friends, you know, like everyone like it's like, oh he's he's dorky, he's like the Boy Scout kind of thing. So like, who likes Superman the best? So yeah, it's it's very true that like I feel I feel now I think he's a lot more popular. I think if you like ask people now, like post like the Zack Snyder like universe, as controversial as that was, I do think that that raised the popularity of the character in terms of the consciousness of the public. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It, it's this really funny thing. Um, and, you know, so I guess that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to do this podcast. And sort of on, on that note, this is sort of, uh, I guess we can call it like episode zero. Uh, and I'm referring to it as our origins episode, where in this series premiere, uh, you and I will talk about how we became Superman fans and what that fandom has meant to us and how it's manifested in our lives. Uh, and I'll also talk a bit about, you know, how this podcast came to be. So this episode's a little bit different than the ones that will follow. And just to give listeners an example, uh, the next two episodes are going to cover the uh, Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly uh, run of comics uh, from the early 2000s. So we're going to spend a couple of episodes uh, really doing a deep dive into uh, those storylines from that period of time. And that's pretty representative of what this show will be like, generally speaking. We're going to be looking at comics, uh, television shows, movies, uh, Maybe we'll even talk about video games at some point, uh, but we'll be talking about there's, Superman. We, 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 we can definitely touch on that tonight. <laughs> there's, there's some some gems from the past that are not great. <laughs> yeah. 
but so, you know, that's really what the show is about, is about talking about <laughs> Superman across time and media and really taking a long view of the character. Uh, but I thought that it would be fun to really kick it off with this Origins episode where we kind of give an overview and we talk about our fandoms generally. Uh, and again, give listeners a little bit of a sense of what the series is going to be like moving forward. And uh, you mentioned before uh, the the podcast of mine that you listen to. Uh, so in addition to this show, I've, I've been hosting a podcast called My Comic Shop History for over five years now. And I suspect a good number of listeners of this show uh, are people who f- came over from, from My Comic Shop History. And I, I really thank you for uh, following me on this, on this new endeavor. Uh, and hopefully we also have a bunch of new listeners as well. And so uh, once again, you know, welcome to everyone. Uh, I feel like I've been preparing to do this show since I was five years old. And uh, I really, I'm, I'm just tremendously excited to, to get into this. Uh, and we, I want to uh, acknowledge the title of the show, right? Digging for Kryptonite, which uh, I remember when I, when I texted you, Ken, a little while back when I finally landed on the title, what the show was going to be. And I gave you, I explained where the title came from. And even as I was typing it, I'm like, I know I don't need to tell him where this, where this title comes yeah, it's, from. It's the song, man. It's the song. It's so, dude, that sucks so good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the song. Yeah. The, the, the classic, uh, now classic, uh, Five for Fighting song, Superman, It's Not Easy. And originally, as you know, Ken, and as maybe as some listeners know, I was planning to call this podcast My Super Fan History. Again, the other show I do is My Comic Shop History, and I felt like, you know, they would kind of go together. But as I got closer to actually doing this, I said, you know what, I need something that packs more of a punch, you know? And I was, I was really racking my brain. I'm like, what, what could it be? And I, I don't know exactly when or how it popped into my head, but once it did, I was like, that's it. And, and when I shared it with a few people, including yourself, and, and I got the feedback that I got, I was like, okay, I'm on the right track here. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's great. Cause it's one of those titles that like, you, you got to think about it for a little bit, but then like, like, cause it, it works on the surface. Like it's like, Oh, Kryptonite Superman. Like I, I associate that. But then if you do like, you're someone like me who actually did know that song growing up, like it, like it kind of hits that, that nostalgia kind of like, like the, Oh yeah, it's clever. You know? So good title. Thanks. I, I, I only hope that people don't think like, oh, digging for kryptonite, like he's looking like this is going to be a criticism of Superman. He's looking for, <laughs> for Superman's weaknesses. And it's like, no, no, this is ultimately <laughs> a celebration. Uh, but yes, I did derive inspiration from uh, one of the lyrics in the Five for Fighting song, uh, Superman, It's Not Easy. Do you remember when you first heard that song? Yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's funny you bring it up. Um, I want to say, because my dad's like really cutting edge when it comes to music. Like he's the one who like introduces me to like, all new music, which sounds super lame. My dad's like super cool. He, uh, he like, he introduced me to like Blink-182. Like, like I found out about Blink-182 from my dad when I was like in like fifth grade, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like he's like super cutting edge with like that stuff. So he, and he's a big Superman fan. So when he heard that song and he, he played for me and we both were like, I think it came out like maybe a year or like the summer before Smallville came out. Like it came out very, like it came out before Smallville, but it was very close to Smallville coming out. And I remember me and my dad both thought that, that was going to be a theme song for the show. Like we were both like, oh, this is, they're, they're, they put this out now because it's going to be the theme song. And we were both like shocked that it wasn't, you know, but it was a good song. It was a really good song. Yeah. Well, A, that's awesome about your dad. And B, uh, yeah, that certainly could have worked. Although, and you know, you and I have talked about Smallville many times and we're going to be talking about Smallville a lot on this podcast. I'm very happy with the theme song they ultimately went with. Uh, but yeah, Five for Fighting, the Superman song definitely would have fit. I'm surprised it took them as long as, as it did to finally use it in the show. It wasn't until like season two. Yeah, 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 it was. It was weird, I thought, that it took that long. But yeah, I, I, I do think they made a good choice, though, because the that's kind of like a somber song. And like when you kick off a show, you want something a little more like upbeat. So it, it was a good choice that they, 
they, they use the one they did, the Remy Zero song. For sure. And, you know, it's interesting, too. You talked about, you know, your dad, you know, getting you into it. It was actually my mom who heard the song first. And just uh, to put this in context for listeners, I mean, yes, we are talking about uh, almost 20 years ago. So you didn't have all of the resources then <laughs> that you do now as far as finding music. And I remember uh, my mom was, it was like early one morning and she was on the treadmill in the basement and she would, you know, listen to music on the, you know, the like a uh, Walkman or whatever, right? The radio. Mm-hmm. And it came, and I remember she came up after her run and she was like, Anthony, like I heard this song on the radio. It's about Superman. And, you know, again, there just wasn't as much stuff like that then. And and uh, I think it probably took catching it on the radio like one or two more times to figure out, you know, the, the full title of the song or the artist. And I remember getting that that Five for Fighting album. And I was fortunate enough, uh, this was just maybe two years ago, that my wife and I saw them. Uh, saw them. It's it's one guy uh, <laughs> that he plays with, with the band. Uh, but we saw Five for Fighting uh, play live in Connecticut, and it was amazing. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. He, he had a couple of good songs. He had a uh, hundred years. Was, I think that was off his second CD. Yeah. That was in Smallville. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of a five for fighting. Uh, and the, it's a deep catalog, you know, those are the, those are the two that people always, uh, always kind of go to, but, but, uh, he has a lot of great stuff out there, but anyway, that's a little bit of the origin of the title of this podcast. But now Ken, I want to hear about your origin as a Superman fan. So how and when, uh, did you first get into Superman? Okay, so I feel like my earliest recollection would be the Christopher Reeve Superman movie, the first one. Um, so I'm not sure if it was this way when you grew up, but we cause we grew up in the early late '80s, early '90s, and through, throughout the '90s and the 2000s. But um, we had um, like tapes back then. For people didn't know VHS tapes, right? And so my family didn't have we didn't like own a lot of them. We rented them from Blockbuster, right, or Video King or wherever the video tapes were. And then, like, my parents would buy blank tapes and then tape stuff off TV. Have you ever yeah, – I'm sure you remember that, right? Like, in your VCR, you could, like, record, like, what was on TV onto a tape. So that's, like, the only tapes that my family had, right? Except we had, like, three – like, three Disney movies that were, like, the legit ones, like Lion King, Aladdin, I don't know, something else. Like, like the, like, the ones you bought, right? And then we had Superman from, like – the early eighties. Like this is like the first like printing of it. My dad told me he bought like a hundred dollars when it came out. Like, it was like way back in the day. But I think my earliest recollection was that videotape and like the cover was like Christopher Lee was like the cover of it was like Christopher Lee flying right at the like, it wasn't the the poster. It was like a picture from the movie of Christopher Lee on the cover. And it was we watched that movie a lot when I was a kid, like I don't know, three, four, I think I started watching it. So that was I think my first touchstone when I think back, like my earliest recollection. Very and and cool. then, the action, then the action figures too, like the, those, um, they weren't superpowers, but they were like recasts of the superpowers that came out in the nineties. I think they were called DC superheroes and Superman came with a kryptonite ring. And so like that in the movie was like my first recollection of the character. Interesting. So not the comics themselves. No, no, I actually, I want to say the first comic I actually saw with Superman in it was probably the death of Superman. I didn't own it. Like one of my f- parents friends kids had it i think and he had it in the plastic so i didn't even like look at it i just like knew it was like superman died in this issue kind of thing so i actually try to think maybe that wasn't like first or second grade when i like saw superman in the comic books like it, it was a while i think before like in general before i got into comic books you know for any characters really like it wasn't until much later in my life that i actually started like 
connecting with the superheroes in comic books, which sounds super weird, but yeah. No, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, obviously, uh, you know, especially through the other podcasts and, and the documentaries I've done and, and working at a comic shop, which I did for many years, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people, right, about how they got into comics and these characters. And in an awful lot of instances, it it was through a different medium, right? It was through the Adam West uh, Batman TV show, or it was through the Christopher Reeve movie, or it was through an action figure or a video game or whatever it might be. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's, um, you know, I think that makes total sense. Um, so for you, so so was that uh, Superman VHS tape and the action figure. Those were your first exposures to the character? Yeah, and so I'm trying to think because I very distinctly remember the cartoon show, this animated show, the one that came out after Batman, the Bruce Tim one. Sure, right. So like mid to late, um, mid, late 90s. That for the, for yeah, that. so but I think I was like in fourth grade when that came out. And like, I remember watching that, that I, it was like an hour and a half pilot of that show. I did like they aired two or three episodes in one chunk. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it with my parents, like us all being excited. But like, I remember like, I knew everything about Superman at that point. Like it wasn't, none of the stuff was like, whoa, this is what Superman, like I, like I knew everything there was to know about Superman, but like, I, 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 but I don't have a ton of early, early memories other than the movie. Right. So I, yeah. And do you remember? Oh, oh, and Lois and Clark. I forgot. That was another one. I'm not sure when that came out, but like, I definitely watched that show too. Like whenever that was on TV. Yeah. That was like early to mid nineties. It ran for, for four seasons. Uh, So we have a lot of similar, uh, you know, sort of reference points uh, in, in our Superman fandoms. You know, as you're saying those things, those were obviously all part of my journey as well. Do you remember what your, and just remind me again, what was the age when you watched the Superman movie? I know you just said it. Had to be like, it was before kindergarten. So I, I want to say like three, four, something like that. Like It was like early, you so, know. So do you have any recollection of like what your impression of it was? I don't remember the first time I watched it. Like I just remember like kind of like always, because I had the PJs. Like my parents would buy me those like PJs that like looked like the costumes. You know, like the, the Batman one came with the mask. I had a Flash one that came with the Flash hood and I had a Superman one. So like I wore the, co- I wore those, co- I always run around my backyard pretending I was superheroes, like wearing those costumes. So like from a young age, there's like, I have pictures of me like in those like costumes. Like, so I knew the characters. I just, I don't remember. I just, I probably my, I just thought it was cool. You know, it was just like, he's a superhero. He's cool. He fought bad guys, you know, like what's not to like, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly having, you know, the Christopher Reeve, uh, depiction being your introduction, uh, you know, I think you're, that's a great place to start. And, you know, you're certainly not alone. And, and I think, you know, depending on which generation we're talking about here, you know, there were, there were tons of kids who grew up with the George Reeves Adventures of Superman show, right? From the, from the fifties when it originally aired and then, you know, seeing it in syndication in the sixties and later. Um, and, you know, for that whole generation of kids, like that was their Superman and that was their way in. And then you had this whole other wave, you know, in the late seventies with the Christopher Reeve movie. Um, I'll share my my origin story, and for people who have been with me on my other show, I, I know you've heard this a lot, <laughs> but uh, but you know it, it's it's my story, and uh, you know for for anyone's new for anyone who's new, uh, you know I'll share how I got into Superman, and for me it actually was the comics, though as as best as I can remember, and and again I mean this is you know I was I was such a little kid at this point, but um, I I too had a, a Superman action figure. I believe it was the the Kenner superpowers as as as, uh, as best memory serves. Uh, so I had the action figure, and I'm sure I had seen either the Christopher Reeve movie and or the uh, 
the late 80s, early 90s uh, Superboy TV show uh, on the television. So I had, you know, like you, like I had, uh, you know, an idea of who this character was. But the real entry point for me was uh, it was late 92. It was the winter of 92. And I was with my parents at the Galleria Mall in, in White Plains, New York. Uh, I grew up just one town over and we would go to the mall sometimes and we passed by Heroes World, a comic shop that's uh, that was part of the now defunct uh, chain of, of stores and they were a distributor as well. And in the window display was a Superman action figure in a little box to mimic a coffin. And this window display was designed to uh, to advertise the death of Superman, which was happening at, at that time. And it just absolutely caught my attention. And I think I'm sure it did, at least in part, because I had some idea of who the character was between the action figure and seeing something on television at some point, right? There was some there was some recognition there. And I still have this memory. I was five, but I still have this memory of being in front of that store. And my parents brought me in. They, they bought me the, uh, the collected edition of the Death of Superman storyline. You know, comics weren't collected in, in trade paperback form as, as quickly as they are now. But that was one instance where DC really rushed out uh, the, yeah, co- the was, collected was, edition. I was going to say, that's crazy that they had that, like, like, like a legit trade of it out that quickly. But, yeah, they didn't waste any time. Uh, it was such, you know, it was such a, a, you know, a huge moment for the publisher and the industry. I mean, it, it was just, you know, uh, you know, it, it was monumental. And so they bought me that trade paperback and we went home and I remember... I mean, I was five. I wasn't reading yet. And I remember my dad, I sat on my dad's lap and he read it to me and he did the voices and the sound effects and all that stuff. And I, I still have that memory. And, and I was hooked. And, you know, I've, I've been a fan ever since. Uh, but it, for me, it goes back to, to the death of Superman. And that was how I became a Superman fan. That's awesome. That's, that's a really cool story that you have the, uh, the clear idea of like your first comic that you ever had, you know? Like, I don't even remember what my first comic was that I looked at. Like, I have no idea like what it is like to me they were just always something that was there and existed you know so that's cool you have like such a distinct memory behind it yeah it's funny I actually I wrote my college application essay about that and I think (laughs) I think the spin I put on it was that you know in life you don't always have uh you know signposts to guide you but that was one instance where I did you know there was something in my path that was saying like come this way uh, and so I, yeah, I actually wrote about that and, uh, yeah, so that w- that was it for me. You know, one of the things that I, I want to ask you and, and I, I want to explore this on the podcast generally, cause I think it's an interesting idea. You know, I've come to find that our first impressions of characters are, you know, they're incredibly formative in shaping us as fans. And for those of us who are collectors, you know, it shapes us as collectors as well. And specifically in the context of Superman, I, you know, I've given a lot of thought to, you know, what effect did it have that the death of Superman in particular was was my entry point? Uh, and I, I can share that in a moment, but I was just curious for you, you know, starting with the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movie, and I'm sure that really holds a special place for you being that, you know, you, you, know, you have that memory of it, even if you don't remember the exact viewing experience, you know, but you, you mm-hmm. have that memory. So, I mean, have you, like, can you kind of pinpoint ways in which, uh, having that be your entry point, like shaped your views of the character? Yeah, it's totally. Um, I'm trying to think like, cause for me, it was always more like, like, like I think that as an artist now, a lot of Christopher Reeve is kind of what 
influences my Superman to begin with. Like I, I personally don't really like his portrayal of Clark Kent um, per se. Right. Like I, I don't, I personally don't view like my version of Clark Kent isn't the Christopher Reeve one, but my Superman is him like, like so much so. So there's, there's elements of what I, I guess like, because the way I, as an artist, interpret Superman, like, I like him to be younger, right? Like, because Christopher Reeve was, like, 25. Like, people, like, I don't know why everyone wants to draw him older. Like, to me, Christopher Reeve is, he's, like, he's supposed to be like a younger guy. Like, um, and I like that he kind of had this sort of swagger to him, almost. You know what I mean? Like, I think that has gotten lost a lot in in modern interpretations of Superman, that he, he had this, like, effortless coolness to him that he was like a cool he was a cool character he wasn't stodgy he wasn't a quote-unquote boy scout he was a cool dude you know so that that um that kind of edginess that chris Reeve had as superman is something that i definitely bring to like my art when i interpret superman and when i was a kid when i played superman you know running around the backyard like with the cape and everything there was it was always that version of superman in my head you know um and obviously through the years like influences and stuff have like come on to it like of course smallville tom welling is also has like cements in my head another aspect of the character like if you take like christopher reeve superman and tom welling's clark kent like to me that's kind of where my superman kind of lies like as a full character but um yeah i mean it i never really thought about that before but it definitely has like influenced my version in how I describe. I was telling, I just worked on a Superman issue and I was telling my fiance that my Superman is Christopher Reeve times Dragon Ball Z via like, like Final Fantasy. Like that's kind of like aesthetically, like how I like view, like, cause like that's the stuff that I love is that kind of like slick dynamic kind of like art with like the classics of American superhero comics. So like, it's like all that stuff kind of mixed together is kind of where it comes out for me, like where the, the character kind of emerges. Yeah. And you, I want to jump back to what you said about Christopher Reeve, because I think it's really interesting, but uh, yeah, for, for, I'm especially interested always, but especially for purposes of this episode to talk to you because you are, you're a comic book artist and you have drawn Superman in comics published by DC comics, you know? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know we've talked about like, oh, how cool it is when you get to draw Superman, but I was really thinking about this in advance of talking to you because, you know, I'm not artistic the way you are. I can't draw. So it would never even be within the realm of possibility that I would be in a similar position. But let's say I had the opportunity to write a Superman story. I think it would take me a minute to get over how surreal it is and to get over the weight of like, even if it's one issue, it's like that's one issue that's in the DC canon and I've contributed words that that my favorite character is saying. Like it would take me a minute. I mean, what was it like for you? Because and just to, oh, for readers yeah. who and, and for listeners, uh, you know, in case you're not familiar uh, with Ken's work, well, you should be. But in case you're not, uh, so you drew Superman for Trinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Trinity. Yeah, I'm trying to think the issues. I think they were twelve through um, fifteen, sixteen. I'm bad. I can't remember the issue numbers, but it was it was Trinity. It was the it was the volume that Francis Manipal kicked off. And I was, once he left, I me and, um, uh, Rob Williams came on to the arc after him. So it was, it was that arc. It was from rebirth. It was in the rebirth era. Exactly. And then, uh, very recently, extremely recently, uh, you drew an issue of man of tomorrow, the digital first series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Written by Stephanie Phillips and colored by Emilio Lopez. 
looks awesome and it was a great story to work on. So, <laughs> yes, it, I got to say, uh, cause I just read it today and I texted you before, uh, before we sat down to record, um, not that we're sitting down, uh, across from each other. We're doing this uh, virtually, of course, as everything is these days, <laughs> but being responsible, uh, being responsible, being responsible, <laughs> but, uh, but man, I so enjoyed, I so enjoyed the story. And, and as I said to you in the text, I really thought, uh, you did such a great job of conveying the emotion. I mean, the basic premise of the issue is uh, a metahuman has uh, has escaped and taken a hospital hostage, and Superman has to figure out what's going on. And I, you know, I don't want to spoil it. I hope people, uh, you know, read it and experience it for themselves. But uh, there's a lot of emotion. I thought you did such a great job of of capturing it, and it is a great story. It really shows the compassion uh, that Superman possesses, and he can solve a situation in, in maybe a different way than another character would. And I, I dug it so much. Oh yeah, no, it was great. Uh, it was written by Stephanie Phillips. Like I said, she wrote like, I remember the first time I, I popped it open, like it actually got me like emotional at the end of it when I was done reading it. And, and I, I emailed her and told her that. And, and what I didn't tell her is that I, ne- I never get like emotional readings. So, you know what I mean? Like they never like, cause when they're scripts, they, they're very clinical, like the way they look, you know, they look like movie scripts. So it's hard to, like, and I automatically, I automatically go into like, okay, work mode. How do I break this down and like visualize it? Right. But with hers, like with this story, it, it really hit me like emotionally. And, um, and I teared up a little bit at the end when I was reading it. I was like, wow, this is really good. Like she, she did a great job, right? I would love to work on more Superman books with her because she, uh, she got to the heart of what it like means to be Superman to me. And it's, that's not rare that that it, like happens, you know? So yeah, she wrote a great story and you, you know, you brought it to life uh, beautifully. So, you know, kudos to both of you. And again, for anyone who hasn't checked it out, I encourage you to. There was, but speaking about your rendition of Superman, I don't know if you've commented on this or if it's been said or what, but I want, there was one panel in particular where uh, Superman looked just like V. Ken Marion. I saw, I saw a lot of you in the character. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's not intentional at all. That's, uh, no, that's not intentional. I, uh, someone, someone else told, someone told me that, that all the characters I draw look like me. And, well, and I think that's like an art thing. Like artists, like the aspects of themselves come into the characters because it's, it's the face that you see the most. Cause when you look in the mirror, when you, you know, use the restroom or whatever, you like, when you see the mirror. So I've heard that subconsciously artists do that, um, but that's not an intentional thing. No, it's, uh, I, I just, I just want to make Superman like slicker looking and not like old. Like that's kind of, that's like my thing. Like to, cause to me, like he can still be married to Lois and have John as a kid and all that, like all that. But like, I just don't think he should look like he's in his forties. Like, I think he should look like he's 25 to 30. Like he's, he's an alien. He doesn't age the same way as all of us, you know? Like, and I just think like, as a kid, I just remember like the characters to me as a kid that like were older and like stodgier. I didn't like them as much. So I like, to me, I want to, I want to make Superman like popular for like younger people to like latch onto is like, that's my favorite character, you know, like, like what, um, like what Henry Cavill does in the movies, you know, he's like, he's like a slick, cool Superman, you know, he's not like old and stodgy and crusty, you know? So like, that's kind of what, just like my, where I was coming from with that, you know, and I, I did see some, uh, some feedback online to people like, Oh, he looks young, but most people like were digging it. But, like a lot of the feedback was like, Oh, it looks good. It looks good. So I was like, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And, and I, this is the first time I inked myself on a project. So I was really happy with how it came out. So, yeah. Yeah. As well. You should be, man. It was, it was awesome. Uh, but so going back to this idea of actually contributing to the mythology of your favorite character, 
Uh, I mean, like the first time in particular, you know, that, that you had the opportunity to draw Superman. I mean, was it the sort of thing where you were like, hey, this is great. Like, this is a, a gig. This will be cool. Let me get into it. Or or did you kind of have that moment of like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, no. It was totally a lockup moment because when I did first get to draw Superman, it was with Batman and Wonder Woman as well. So it was all three of them together. That's right. And yeah. and I, I was pretty new to DC at the time, too. Like, I had did Bloodlines, which... The pressure for that was more just like, I want to impress my editors, but like the actual drawing of the characters, they're all characters that I was essentially reinventing. So like the designs of them were totally like my design. So what, there wasn't that kind of pressure. And then after that, I did Green Lantern, which there was definitely pressure with that as well. But I felt like I had like a, I don't know, I just felt like he was like easier to put my like stamp on, I guess. Um, but when it came to Trinity, that first arc that I did with them, I definitely locked up a lot. And I, I think I drew more like, like how I thought DC wanted them drawn. So it was like in that like Jim Lee-ish, like, like there were definitely, there's more Jim Lee in that than there was like, I guess me, I want to say, because like, it was just locked in my head for so long. Like that's what these characters look like. And like over the years, I've kind of, kind of been trying to get my own kind of version of how I want to interpret these characters, you know? So that's why I think my Superman now looks radically different from my Superman that I did in Trinity, which was also like stressful too. Cause I was like, so scared about like screwing up. I would redraw like fate. Oh my God, dude, I would redraw faces like three hours, redrawing one face over and over and over again. Just trying to like get that, like locked into like what I thought was like the right way, you know? So. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely get it. And yeah, you talked about the Christopher Reeve depiction of Superman and you know, that too, while it wasn't, my first exposure to the character, at least as far as I can remember, you know, that definitely came very early on in my journey. Uh, so, you know, for me, I started with Death of Superman and I, you know, that that made me a, a comics reader and a Superman reader. And I read all through the 90s and, and beyond. Um, and then I think, you know, very shortly after that, I, I really sat down and I watched Superman the movie. Uh, and I too, you know, growing up in the 90s, I watched Lois and Clark and I watched the Bruce Timm uh, animated series. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, in, in 2001, along came Smallville and, uh, you know, I watched that religiously for a decade and it, it remains my favorite interpretation of the character for reasons that I'm sure you and I will touch on and this podcast will address uh, in the future. But specifically to what you were saying about Christopher Reeve, yeah, man, a hundred percent, there's a slyness to his character, especially the, the balcony scene with Lois. He's very oh, yeah. sly and I love it. And I, I, agree. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an aspect of the character that, you know, sometimes gets neglected. Dude, even the last shot of the movie is him like flying toward camera and he just kind of like smirks, like, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like, like a cocky sort of like, not, not, not cocky in a bad way, but it's just like, like, he's just like the coolest guy in the room kind of thing, you know, like even when he's saying stuff that, that sounds kind of dorky, like when he drops Lex Luthor off the prison, he's like, think like the, the the prison chief is like says says it like in a super dorky like comic book like the world is safe thanks to you superman he's like he's like huh we're all on the same team like he just he just sounds so like cool and like you know what i mean there's just like a like an effortless an effortless coolness to him the way he portrayed it you now so and i honestly like i kind of think dean kane had that and i think the cartoon had that too the way they in the animated series like i think it's a, i honestly think it's a more recent thing where people have kind of tried to make him like stodgier and i don't know why i think it was like around the like probably like late 90s maybe early 2000s i don't know i don't know when it happened but it just kind of the the cross-media interpretation of him has always been slightly different from what has been 
kind of more like what people's idea of them actually is. You know what I mean? So we'll pick that right back up uh, in just a second. But uh, now uh, here is a word about our sponsors. Submissions are now open for the March season of the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, New Jersey. Visit filmfreeway.com to submit your film now. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, CJ Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, The Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. And we're back. And I want to pick up what you were just saying. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no. So, like, I was just thinking about it just now when, when the commercials were playing. I think the reason that sticks to me and why it's so important to me that Superman is cool, like how Chris Free was, like that he's actually like like quote unquote like a cool person, is that I think that instilled in me in a very young age that being the good guy and doing the right thing is cool. You know what I mean? Like, like it it was like a subconscious like the coolest person in the room is also the best person in the room. You know what I mean? And like, I think that's such an important message for people in life. You know what I mean? Like ultimately it's cool to be good. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's really important. Like that's an important message for people, you know? So that's one of the reasons to me, it's important that Superman isn't seen as a dorky character that he is seen as like really cool, you know? And is that, is that the reason that you said before you're, you don't particularly care for the Christopher Reeve portrayal of Clark? Uh, where he's so bumbling. Well, I just, I, to me, it just doesn't work for like a secret identity. It's like, he's bringing more attention to himself than is needed. Like, I just think like logically it doesn't like work as well. I don't know. I I, like it just, just, just from that point of view, but then yeah, I like, like, it's almost like, like a caricature. You know what I mean? I guess. I don't know. It's kind of like where I I just really like Tom Lowing's version of like what his Clark was like. And Dean Cain's version was also very similar to that. If you watch Lois and Clark where he was also like very like, like and George Reeves is the same way. He's like a very like authoritative, not authoritative, but like he's, he's like, he's in command of the, the room, I guess. You know what I mean? He's not like, like being shoved into the back, you know? Oh, the George Reeves Clark is very authoritative. You were right. And, uh, (laughs) you know, kind of on that note, so I'm referring to the 1950s Adventures of Superman series. The first two seasons were black and white, and then it moved to color for the the remainder of the run. And we're going to be covering that. Uh, We're going to be covering the series uh, a few episodes from now. And, you know, as a kid, I think I had caught a few episodes here and there of Adventures of Superman, but it was never anything that I really took the time to experience. And that's actually, you know, going back to the origins of this podcast, it really grew out of a personal desire to explore my fandom to, you know, to, I guess, have a reason or, or added motivation to revisit the the stories that I've enjoyed and share them with other people, but also in a, in a real big way to fill in the gaps in my fandom. And so I just kind of want to lay this out for listeners where, you know, I like to think of this as, you know, we're on a journey together exploring Superman and I'm not coming at this from the position of 
hey, I'm the authority and I'm going to tell you everything that's great about the character and you're going to you're going to like it. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of want this to be something that, you know, we're kind of all experiencing together. And there there are big gaps in my own fandom. And I want to hear and I'm going to pose the question to you in a second. But, you know, for me, Adventures of Superman was a big one. You know, there's this the big piece of Superman history that I had really never experienced. And in preparation for those upcoming episodes of the podcast that I mentioned, I've been watching it and I love it. And it's 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 been so awesome to to kind of open up this whole new pocket of my fandom. So I wanted to ask you, because, uh, you know, we've been talking about the ways in which we've experienced the character. Um, but what what are some of your gaps in 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 your Superman fandom? Well, you had mentioned the Superboy TV show and I've never seen. I don't even think a frame of that like ever. I like I've seen like the DVD boxes, you know, at like Best Buy or whatever, but I don't think I've ever seen the actual show. Um, and then like the George Reeves show, I, I had seen like episodes here and there, like on TV land when I was a kid. And um, that was like my dad's version, favorite version of Superman. So when the DVDs came out, I got them from for Christmas one year. It was like 2008 or nine or something. And we had like watched all the way, all the black and white ones. Then we, we started the color ones. That's when it started getting kind of not great. So we kind of, kind of tapered off and didn't finish it. But um, so I, I have seen that I'm trying to think like, probably, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, but I, probably the biggest gaps would probably be like comics, like before I got into reading them, you know, like no, same here, same. Yeah. Like I, I'm a huge steel fan, right? Like huge steel fan. And we were talking about doing an episode on the death and return of Superman. And I was like, I've actually never read the death and return, like the death of the, I've read the death, but I've never read like the full thing of like the return of Superman. Like my steel fandom comes from like three issues from his like solo series that I had when I was a kid, you know? So it's like, there's definitely huge gaps of like the comic book history that I've never even like, like interact with at all, which is probably, probably the biggest. Cause I've seen all the movies. I've, I played a bunch of the video games. I watched the cartoon show, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the media adaptations, you know, for as many as there have been, it's, it's not, it's not a crushing amount. So if you've been a fan mm. for as long as we've been fans, uh, yeah, chances are you've probably seen, you know, uh, most of the shows and the, you know, the movies and the cartoons and things like that. Um, you know, for me, like I said, Adventures of Superman was definitely a, a gap that thankfully now I'm, I'm closing and I'm, I'm loving it so much. Of course, I've seen all the, the Christopher Reeve. I've seen all of the movies. We'll, we'll say that. Um, I've even started uh, watching the movie serials with Kirk Allen that came out before Adventures of Superman. I've seen those. Yeah. Those are fascinating for anyone who's not familiar. Uh, you know, one of the most distinct aspects of that was uh, whenever he's transformed from Clark to Superman, he would be rent or when he, once he was using his powers and flying in particular, uh, he'd be rendered as a cartoon. Uh, so it's really, it's <laughs> really interesting to watch just from a historical perspective. Um, and again, as far as the TV shows, I, I'm like you, I think, I have some memory of watching the Superboy TV series as a kid, but it's it's not anything that I remember super specifically, no pun intended, and I've not I've never gone back to revisit it. And then more recently, as far as shows, uh, I did not watch the Krypton series that was on Sci-Fi. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I, I haven't watched any of like I, I haven't watched Supergirl or or is there a Superman show that's based off the Supergirl show with that actor? That's starting uh, in the in uh, next year. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, and I, I haven't seen Krypton either, so. Okay, so that period then when you became a regular comics reader and a regular Superman reader in particular, like what what, what period of time are we talking, what creative teams or storylines were happening then? 
Okay, so yeah, like I said, it was in the mid two thousands, like early to mid two thousands. So Godfall, the Godfall storyline with um, uh, Michael Turner, Joe Kelly, Talent Caldwell. Um, yeah, I remember that they, for sure. Yeah, that was so awesome, and that was like one of the first things I read. And I think now I never thought about this until now, but I think that it probably is another reason the way I view Superman, like I do, because that was like Superman was like. He had, like, a cool, like, slick kind of suit, and, like, he was riding, like, an Akira-esque motorcycle, you know? It was just, it's such a cool, different, like, take on him, so I, I didn't even think about it until just now. And, like, Talon Caldwell has a very, like, manga-ish style, you know? So that probably influenced me a lot. Um, so that's pretty late, about. then, that you became uh, a regular Superman reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Identity Crisis was right after that, and um, I'm trying to think what, what else was going on. Like, Infinite Crisis what's going on in there. It's like the whole Superboy prime, like him fighting Superboy prime. Um, uh, 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 the one year later stuff. Sure. Pete Woods. Yeah. Yeah. It was all like that era, the whole era. When, and then when, remember when Jeff Johns came on and action comics that, Oh dude, it's so good. The, yeah. Uh, with Gary Frank. Yeah. No, I remember that. Well, uh, although <laughs> I, I will probably do an episode on this at some point, but in the very first, I think it's the first page of the first issue of the Jeff Johns run. And he had Richard Donner uh, as, as co-writer for that, for that arc. Uh, but Superman goes to the fortress and he talks to Jor-El and, and he says, I've lived among them for many years. And that didn't ring true for me. I don't think that that Clark would, would frame it that way. I don't think that's the way he views humans and his time with them. Yeah. I mean, also, like I said, like, I feel like he's what, like 30 at that point. Like, yeah. So it's like, it's not that long, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. They lost like, me from the first page now, but I, I enjoyed a lot of <laughs> I enjoyed a lot of that as well. But, you know, it's really funny because I think for a long time, I, you know, again, having started with Death of Superman, I kind of looked at it as like, well, I, like I haven't been reading that long, you know, compared to someone who's been reading since, you know, the 50s or 60s or 70s, you know, but then I've spoken to people, you know, like yourself and others who who got into Superman comics much later than I did. And, and you know, that kind of allowed me to, you know, to recognize, you know, everyone has their own starting point. They're all valid. And, uh, you know, I'm sure people listening to this, some of you maybe started around the time I did, maybe around the time that Ken did. Maybe you've been reading far longer than both of us combined. Um, but Dude, you, maybe you started at the new 52, like one of my friends in college, that's, that's his Superman, you know, that's like the first touchstone he had to it, you know? So it's, there's always, and that, that's almost 10 years ago now, it's crazy. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It really, it, it's unbelievable. And so, you know, with this podcast, uh, you know, again, it's an opportunity, like I said, for me to revisit my favorite stories, but also explore new ones, you know, and share them all with, with the listeners of the show. And, you know, comics wise, I read, I mean, really consistently throughout the 90s, you know, into the 2000s, I, I did skip over the New 52, and that's something that, through this podcast, I, I will rectify. I'll give that a shot. Um, hey, oh, wait, let me, let me jump yeah, in. Yeah. New 52 stuff's really good. I, I actually really love the, their take on Superman New 52. It's just, there's some good stuff in there. All right. No, I'm, look, <laughs> that's, that's the other thing, too. Like, I'm really keeping an open mind. And I hope that listeners do as well. And, you know, I know, Ken, you and I are, we're big proponents. We're big defenders of Zack Snyder's take on Superman in, in the recent films. And I don't know if I would say we're in the minority at this point, but it's definitely not a view that's shared by everyone. And, you know, we're going to be talking about that uh, on, on the podcast. And, you know, maybe this is my, my, my lawyerly training. I'm a, I'm a lawyer by training, not by practice, but, uh, but I did go to law school. And so, you know, I, I kind of always approach this as trying to, 
you know, trying to understand both sides and present both sides. And so, you know, if, if you fall into the camp of thinking that, you know, Zack Snyder is the worst thing that ever happened to Superman, you probably won't love the episodes that we do. But at the same time, you know, I understand that there is that perspective. And so, you know, again, I, I really am trying to approach this, you know, understanding both sides, addressing both sides. And, you know, I hope listeners will keep, you know, will keep an open mind as well. Uh, but going back to the comics, so, you know, recently New 52 is, is a gap of mine. And then, uh, but I would say the the biggest gaps that I that I really want to close are uh, I read John Byrne's Man of Steel miniseries, you know, post crisis that set up the the new iteration of Superman, and I've read a few issues of his main run, but I've not read the vast majority of it. And then an even larger gap is the post Byrne uh, pre death of Superman era. That's like a good like two the Dan Jurgens. All the Dan Jurgens stuff. Yeah, leading up to Superman, uh, the, the, de- the death of Superman. And so that's a good two to three year period. So there's a, you know, this really big chunk post-crisis, pre-death of Superman uh, that I'm looking forward to finally reading for the first time through this podcast. And then, I mean, honestly, the 50 years pre-crisis, you know, are, are, are a massive gap. I mean, other than Action One and whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, I mean, I've read, I could probably count on one hand the number of pre-crisis stories I've read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You said all that stuff you said, I'm pretty much identical. Like I read the Man of Steel miniseries, but I haven't read really any of the main run read like a couple Dan Jurgens issues here and there from like whatever I got my hands on when I was a kid and like whatever trades I got too. when I was, when I, I used to intern at DC in college. So there was a bunch of trades that they printed. So I've, I've read some of that like in trade form, but yeah, like dude, the pre-crisis stuff, I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read like any of it. So and that's what, you know, those are the things that I'm excited to get into because, you know, there are so many concepts and characters and settings and ideas that were introduced in these stories that I've never experienced, but I've, you know, gotten to know them through, you know, later interpretations. So I think to go back and see where some of this stuff started uh, will be really interesting. I mean, I'm not, you know, my plan isn't to read everything. I think that yeah. would be overly Impossible. ambitious. Yeah. yeah. But I think a sampling well, from each era. Is it all available digitally? No, no, it's not. It's not? Okay. Because that, it'd be possible to do it, you know, like one by one, go through and just get every one of them. Thousand issues of action comics. Yeah. Like. There's a you know you know DC Comics they have their app and and there's a good amount on there but it's certainly not everything. Uh, their their app is not as comprehensive as say Marvel Unlimited is. Uh, but mm. I I actually I was able to track down through uh, some comic shop retailers I know and through eBay I was able to track down all of the uh, the Superman by decade trade paperbacks so Superman mm-hmm. in the 40s 50s 60s 70s and 80s and those are cool because they're curated. Uh, samplings of of those periods of of Superman comics, and there's introductory material and sort of some connective tissue where they they kind of um, you know explain what was going on in the books at the time between the issues and everything. Uh, so I think that'll be really interesting, and I'll probably use those as my guide. Uh, yeah. when, when we get to doing those episodes, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I think that'll be cool. Uh, I, I probably know the answer to this, but favorite Superman story either single issue oh. or miniseries or, or storyline. So my favorite Superman story is also my favorite comic book of all time. And it's a run it's Superman birthright. And it is the best selling of Superman's origin. I think that's ever been done. And if, if listeners don't know it, it's, it was done in like 2003, I think, or four, like it's in that era I was talking about, mm-hmm. but it's a uh, Mark Wade writes it. Little you draws it. And it is, 
so good. It's like so like contemporary and like action-packed and everything you like about Superman is like what you grew up with him is in there, but he's like modern and he's got the cool factor that I was talking about before too. So it's just, it just kind of hits all the buttons for me, you know, like, like if, if there's listeners out there who like the action of the Snyder movies, but don't like say like the emotional stuff, like this book, I think does all that action really well, but then also anchors it emotionally with like really great like characters and stuff. So I, I recommend it to anyone who like has even a tangential interest of Superman to check it out because it is so good. It is also my favorite telling of the origin. And, you know, there have been a bunch and especially, you know, post-crisis, we have a good, you know, handful, half a dozen uh, tellings of the origin from, uh, you know, from Man of Steel to Birthright to Secret Origin to American Alien for all seasons. I mean, there've been a bunch, uh, but I'm with you, man. It's hands down my favorite. And, you know, I had the opportunity. I interviewed uh, Mark Wade for uh, my, my last documentary film. And, and I, you know, had a lot of one-on-one time with him. And that was one of the first things that I said to him was how much I enjoyed that. And in particular, and this is what I shared with him. And I, I it seemed like he, you know, appreciated what I said. Because the thing that, and I agree with everything you said about Birthright and why why it's so effective as a story. But in particular, the thing about it that I always loved and still do is that it took the time to explain why Clark becomes Superman, why he develops this dual identity um, the way that he does. Because I think, you know, as much as, you know, I too, I love Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve, but my least favorite part of that, to be honest, is this whole notion of him, you know, going into the fortress and then just emerging years later and he's Superman. And, you know, I know in terms of the... Uh, biblical uh, allusions they were they were going for uh, you know similar to to Jesus in the Bible right like you you see him at one point in his adolescence and then you don't see him again until he's an adult and mm-hmm. so it it kind of fits it fits in there but I never love this idea that he just kind of gets you know programmed and then he's Superman I, I I love what Birthright does as far as really taking you on that journey dude totally agree I agree with that so much and like just for like little things too like. To me, the birthright explanation of the S to me is the best explanation of the S. Hands in, do you remember what it was? It was, Hope. so, well, no, it's even more than that. It's, the S is the flag of Krypton. Right, right, right. It's like, it's like the symbol of the planet. You know what I mean? So, like, I love the idea that it's not, that he's not wearing his family's crest. He's literally wearing, like, he's the last of his planet. And that's what that S represents is, like, Krypton. You know what I mean? Like, so it's hope. They say it's hope, but it's also it's also like the symbol of like, like the planet, you know what I mean? So like it just, and they explain the suit, like the idea that that's what people wore in Krypton. So like he asks his mom to make something that looks similar as like an homage to like, to carry on like, like his, um, his culture. You know what I mean? Like I just thought there was, there was so much of like little details about it were so like spot on, you know? Um, and like the Lex Luthor aspect in that too, of how, he tries to fake an alien invasion because he's jealous that like Superman is basically like taking all his shine kind of thing, you know, like just like everything was like so well done in that book. Yeah. Oh, and I want to ask you this because I know we were talking earlier before we did recording about how much we remembered about it. Do you remember like the opening like sequence of that book where it was like, you see the, the planet Krypton destroyed and then like it cuts to like, the part where it says DC comics presents like, do you, do you remember that? Do you yeah. remember that sequence? Well, yeah. Okay. So like it, it stands out so much in my head where it says like, it's like black strips and it says like DC comics presents. And then it's like a small strip of like his rocket. And then like, it says 
the origin of the Man of Steel and another small strip of the rocket. And then like, it, it like, it, it bleeds into the rocket turning into a bullet and him like catching the bullet. But the way it's like laid out, I just, in my head, hear the, dun, 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 dun. like for each, like <laughs> each one of those, like each one of those panels, like you, you, you hear the song in your head as you're, and it's like, it's so well done. Like the whole book just feels epic and like, and like cinematic, you know, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so good. It's like definitely my, one of my desert Island books. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I know the question I asked, but you know, your favorite, I, so that's definitely my favorite of the origin stories. As far as, you know, favorite Superman story generally, I don't know. It's hard to pin down. I mean, obviously the death of Superman holds a special place and there's a lot of nostalgia there as far as, you know, m- more, uh, I don't know, more objectively, although it's, it's all subjective, of course, but like what I think is the, the best story. I mean, like I said, the next couple episodes are going to be devoted to the, the Jeff Loeb and Joe Kelly run uh, on the character. And that, that really stands out to me. And so I would probably hold that up uh, as my favorite period of time as a Superman reader. Um, and Birthright is my favorite origin. Uh, as far as really trying to nail down, uh, you know, a favorite particular issue or story, I think that's something that I might have to kind of work on as we move forward through this podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like the the Jeff Loeb joke, that, was that when Superman had the black behind the ass? When the ass was like, that was the black behind it? Yeah, towards the end of their run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I always thought that was a cool look. Yeah. For and, and, and the Guinness was drawing it at that point too, right? Like yes. he was one of the artists on there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a good time. Yeah, sure. very distinctive style uh, for, for sure. You said something, though, that was really interesting, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it because it sparked an idea because, you know, you said if you don't like some of the uh, the emotional beats of the Zack Snyder movies, you know, you might find Birthright more palatable. But, you know, that's what's so interesting. You know, Superman has been interpreted by so many different creative visions over 80 years. And I think what's cool is that you have these different flavors, yet to me at least with the exception of, you know, purposely, you know, alternate reality stories, they do all feel like the same character, to me at least. And, you know, we mentioned the George Reeves show before. I know, you know, one of the criticisms of Zack Snyder's take on the character is, you know, Clark was so conflicted and so brooding and and so, you know, unsure of his place in the world. Let me tell you, if you want a Clark who has no internal (laughs) dilemma, watch George Reeves. I mean, that like, you know, he was just Superman and that was it. Um, yeah. You know, so there are, again, there are all of these different uh, different takes on the character that all feel the same and that all feel like they're true to the essence of, of who he is. And, you know, we were talking about the origins. That too is fascinating to me because it's been told so many times. And I think, you know, because the character has endured for as long as he has and because the origin continues to be told, you know, you get all of these layers because when you go back to adventures of superman for example or even action comics number one it's a page yeah yeah and then so you go from that to something like birthright where you have 12 issues and you can you know really take your time with it and peel back all of the layers or you can take the grant morrison approach like an all-star superman and just have a few panels right like Mm -hmm. doom planet kindly couple and that works too i mean that's the beauty of the character it's it it, you know no matter which uh which approach you take you know, there's something so elemental about the character and his story. You can do it in a, in a few panels you mm-hmm. know, or you can really open it up and have, you know, 12 issues. By the way, all-star Superman is a really good Superman story too. Like I just remember that, that one, that one's really freaking good too. But, uh, but yeah, like I think it's interesting cause you're right. They do each interpretation can vacillate wildly from like, from personality and stuff, but they, they never like, 
goes so, I feel like you can bend and, and, and twist and like, like take the character and like make it malleable enough to like do your take on it. But like none of those versions in my opinion have ever like totally just like destroyed the essence of the character. Like you can, I feel like that's the thing with American comic book characters that have been the ones that are owned by corporations, right? They're like the DC Marvel ones that have existed where multiple people have worked on them. Everyone adds to them and then everyone like, like, takes what they don't like off and then puts what they like on and then it changes a little bit here and there. So like throughout the decades, like all the characters are like this, like, and that's, what's really cool about it is that's like a tapestry of like different, inter- like blending of different interpretations that kind of define the character, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm totally with you. And, uh, you, you know, it's interesting it, even just going back to the, you know, some of the depictions that we've talked about where, you know, you look at the Christopher Reeve Superman, and in that case, you know, Superman is really who he is, and then Clark is this disguise, this masquerade where he's bumbling around, right? Uh, as I've said, you know, I grew up, even though I didn't read all of those initial John Byrne stories, I grew up reading the John Byrne version of Superman where, you know, the emphasis was really more on Clark. Clark is who he is, mm-hmm. and Superman is what he can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, you know, very much was, was in that vein, um, totally, yeah. And I think growing up reading, reading those those stories and and watching those stories about the burn era of Superman, you know, informed a lot about the way you know I view the character. And for me, you know, that's that's ultimately the interpretation I lean toward. But I do recognize there there is room for other interpretations. And I know you know certainly pre Crisis and in the Christopher Reeve movies. I mean, you you do have that different take on the character. But again, I think it all still it works. Like you said, you, you can you can kind of bend it. Like there's room for those interpretations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree that that I see Clark as who he really is, and Superman is like what he can do totally. Um, but there is something cool and symbolic about like with all these characters that like their true face is the superhero face. There's something like there's like a cool like symbolism that's like like cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, but but ultimately with Superman, I do think that who he really is, who he is on the farm, and who he is on the farm, like like the reporter of him is sort of just an extension of that. And then like when he becomes Superman, that's like, he's putting on his work clothes, you know, kind of thing. So that's kind of how I see it. 100%. And that's something, uh, listeners, you're going to hear me say this, you know, across multiple episodes, because it is very much how I view the character that I think that, you know, kind of viewing it as, you know, is Clark the real character Superman? I don't really think it's binary. I think that, I really do think Clark on the farm, like you said, really represents the essence of the character. That's when he is his true self. And I think mm-hmm. when he's Clark, the reporter, and when he's Superman, the costumed adventurer, there's, there's disguise, there's an element of disguise in both. And I really think Clark yeah. on the farm is really who he is. And, you know, going back to how the stories we, we experience, how they shape us, I'm sure that watching 10 years of Smallville, <laughs> you know, probably played a role yeah. in me thinking that. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. But dude, Smallville, like, just, like, every every character on that show, like, the parents and Lex, and, like, I know we talked about this on our Smallville episode. Listeners, if you don't know, there's a Smallville episode that we did a couple of years ago, but um, they're, like, the best versions of those characters to me, like, Lex, the parents, Lois, you know? Like, so I would love to see a movie interpretation sometime nail it as great as Smallville did, you know? I mean, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm with you. When I think of, 
you know, my definitive versions of those characters in almost every instance, that's, that's who I go to in, in my head, you know, for those mm-hmm. characters and for, for Clark and Lex in particular, you know, hands down. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Kents, yeah. you know, um, so, so yes, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about Smallville, uh, on the show. I, I, I just haven't decided how many episodes, what focus we, maybe we'll do like a top 10. We'll each come up with our top 10 episodes or something like that. I don't know. I want to try to come up with a fun <laughs> way for us to talk about it. But, you know, as we, as we start to wind down here, you know, I, I talked about, you know, a little bit of the origins of the show, why I wanted to do it. You know, one of the things that is motivating me and this kind of started, you know, uh, percolating in my, in my head a couple of years ago, uh, Dan Greenfield from 13th dimension. Uh, he, he invited me to write an article. This was around the time that action 1000 came out and it was to tie into the 80th anniversary of the character. And, you know, he, you know, knew I was a big Superman fan and he asked if I would write an article, 13 reasons why Superman still inspires. And he didn't realize it at the time, but he was really giving me a great gift because it was an opportunity for me to really think about it. Cause I don't know about you and I, I would love to hear from you. Like, I think for a lot of us, you know, often, not in every case, but oftentimes, you know, the, the first comic book character we, we encounter, you know, that kind of solidifies and becomes our favorite, not in every instance, but a lot of times it's like the first one you're introduced to or, but however you come to have a favorite character, especially if it happens when you're a kid, I think a lot of times you just sort of take it for granted at a certain point, like for years and years, if anyone asked me, who's your favorite character? Oh, Superman. And it's like, I probably could have articulated reasons why, but I don't know that I ever necessarily did or that I ever necessarily had a reason to. It was just sort of like, well, he is, he just is my favorite character. And when I wrote that article, like I really sat down and I came up with my list and it really made me appreciate the character even more, you know? So it's like, I don't, I mean, for you, like the, the reasons that you like the character, are are those things that you're, that you're kind of always conscious of, or is it something that, you know, maybe does get taken for granted sometimes? I mean, well, I like, uh, I guess a little bit about like, I think like one, I just, well, I think he's like great visually. Just, he looks cool. You know what I mean? He's got the bright, cool costume, the, like the cape, like there's so many, like there's so much like symbolism, like visually that you can work in with him. You know what I mean? And with a lot of these characters and a lot of my favorite characters are like that, like just right off the bat, like just, they just are visually striking. Right. So that's like the surface level reason of like why I like them. But then with Superman, it's to me, I think we touched on a little bit before, like why I like him is because he's just good. You know, like I, I think there's just something really powerful in that, that he's just, he tries to do the right thing no matter what, you know, and that ultimately being good is, is cool and doing the right thing is cool. Like, and so I think that really is what, is one of the reasons I really like the character. And then just, just like a symbol too. It's like, so like, I like it, it represents so many things like hope, strength, you know, like perseverance, you know, like not giving up, like, like all these like kind of like inherent virtues that we as people want, you know what I mean? The, the character sort of is like boiled down to represent that, you know? So I think it's a combination of all those things. Why? Like, I, I mean, if I thought about like 13 reasons, why, I'm sure I could come up with something, but like soft top of my head, that's, that's pretty much the, the reasoning behind it, which is for a lot of my favorite characters is like that reasoning would apply, you know? Yeah. Well, those reasons are definitely great reasons and, and reasons I share. And, you know, 
I will, and a lot of these things, you know, we'll unpack as we're moving forward uh, with subsequent episodes of the podcast. But, uh, you know, in some interpretations, Pa Kent dies and in others he lives. And, uh, you know, I, I have an opinion about that. Yeah, too. please. We can talk about it. No, we, we'll, we'll, we can come back to it. We can finish what you're, what you're saying. No, I was going to say that generally speaking, while, while I understand, you know, from a dramatic point of view, why, you know, there might be some, you know, some merit to Pa's passing. You know, ultimately I, and again, this is the post, you know, the post-crisis version of the character, but I like the incarnation where Clark has his parents there. And to me, I, you know, I'm with you, you know, the, the inherent goodness of the character, the compassion that he shows, the fact that unlike so many other comics characters, he's not driven by revenge or loss. I mean, he's born, um, you know, of, of a doomed planet, but you know, at least in the modern interpretation, that's not necessarily driving him. You know, it's like he wants yeah. to keep his his new world, his adopted world, from suffering a similar fate. But it's not like he's he's really driven by that loss. Um, yeah. And so that's one of the things that that I love about the character is that um, you know he's not motivated by guilt or loss the way so many so many others are. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I, what I was going to say about his parents were that I, I like them both alive personally, like, like what you were saying, because I think it makes him relatable. Like, I think that's one of the things that to me, like anchor Superman into the relatability. Like I know the argument of Superman, like the not relatability of him being like, Oh, he can fly. He can do everything. It's like, dude, all these characters can do that. Like if you, if you use that surface level, like analogy, Spider-Man shouldn't be relatable either. Nobody can stick to walls and swing around. You know what I mean? So I think it's, those having those touchstones of like reality to anchor the character is what makes him relatable. And when you take away one or both, take away his dad. I mean, to me, like I don't like it because I like him having both of them. But if you take away both his parents, it just really like, like takes away like an anchor that he could have as like a, a person to talk to, you know? So I like having both his parents there, but that could also be from Smallville, like to like uh, how much we like Smallville, you know. But I agree with what you were saying about how he's not motivated by like darkness. He's like very much motivated by the values that he was instilled in him by his parents. So it, it, he's very different in that regard from a lot of characters. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the relatability because yes, it's true. You know, as much as we love the character and he's our favorite character, you know, over the years, you know, you you hear a lot of similar criticisms and i think you know uh the the relatability and the fact that he's too powerful but they kind of go hand in hand i think those are you know that's what you hear often from people who don't necessarily you know dig the character and you know to that i would say exactly what you just did i think the relationship with his parents his relationship with lois i think that makes him so relatable and you know, ultimately, and maybe this is why I, I especially loved Smallville and I and Birthright and, and some of the other origin stories, because those in particular, they're about a young man trying to find his place in the world, you know, and it's like, what's, totally. what's, what's, what's more relatable than that? Exactly, dude. That's what I've been, I've been telling that, arguing that with people for years, that to me, Superman is like the most relatable character in comics because he he is an analogy. And I think this is why I like him like younger on the younger side too, because like, I feel like it, it's, it's such a strong analogy of someone kind of like, like going out on their own into the world and determining what kind of person they want to be and like how they want to interact with the world. And to me, Superman is very much like he is just trying to do the right thing in a world that's trying to tear him down, you know, constantly like, like, and you know, the life's hard, you know, life, like things start hard 
like just look outside right now you know like it's so much turmoil going on and like the idea of with superman is that he is like he he'll be pushed down but he'll always stand back up and he'll always try to do the right thing no matter what you know and like i feel like it's a very relatable core to a character because who doesn't feel that way you know like all the time like to me batman is a total fantasy character he's like not relatable at all he's like the like there's two types of characters. There's there's wish fulfillment characters and there's relatability characters. And to me, Batman is total wish fulfillment character. He's like, everybody wants to be tough. Everybody wants to be badass. Everybody wants to see themselves as like, I'll take a negative turn into a positive and just like, just kick ass. You know what I mean? And that's basically what Batman is. But Superman is much more nuanced than that. You know, there's, there's a lot more, I feel like there's a lot more of ourselves in the character. And sometimes I think maybe that's why he's not as popular because he's not, he is like deals with stuff that are, like I hit closer to home a little bit instead of like just straight out fantasy, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't know. That, no, I think the, the distinction you drew, you know, between the relatability and the wish fulfillment, I think that's, I think that's a fantastic point. And you might be right. Maybe there is some element of that where people sometimes see too much of themselves in the character. And you know, that that's a little bit of a roadblock sometimes, you know, I mean, it, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also think that, in recent years, like, like I really want to do a run on Superman and like really dial the action up. You know what I mean? Like, like keep keep all the emotional elements there. But I think that his power set and his visuals could lend themselves to, like really dynamic, like really dynamic confrontations between villains. You know? And like I know they did that in Man of Steel, and I, I think that. The, the fatal mistake in that was doing in the middle of a city that made everyone complain. But like that, the fight was like great though. Like in terms of like the visuals of the fight, like it, like that shot that was like first person of Superman, like like hitting Zod, like in the first person. That was so like sick. Like we had never seen that in a movie, you know. So I think that there's an element like you got to keep the emotional stuff, but I think you can also dial the action up to to maybe bring a little more of that like wish fulfillment, like quote unquote ass kicking to the character, you know, that Batman has. So. I, don't know, I, I think there's room to, to 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 play a little bit there. Yeah, and you know, again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here because we'll talk really in depth about Zack Snyder's take on the character. But I'll just say this: that, and this is not to get political, but I don't think it's you know, I don't think anyone would disagree uh, if I were to say you know, <laughs> we live in very divided times, and you know, I think that his take on the character is is more relevant even now, a few years later, uh, than than it might have even been at the time where. You know, if if a Superman appeared, I really don't think he would be welcomed with open arms. And and so, you know, I think that the version we got was was pretty accurate. And and again, as far as this whole idea of you know Clark trying to wrestle with his role in the world, I think especially today, I think you know it's it's great to have the the Christopher Reeve version where he embraces his role, the world embraces him, and you know, and we're we're, we're off, and we believe a man can fly, but. Again, going back to there being, you know, room for multiple interpretations, I think, you know, what, what Snyder was trying to do, trying to kind of place this in a in a more grounded, contemporary, real world setting, I think he was pretty on the mark as far as how, how something like this might play out. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Like, I, I kind of agree. Like, I do think it would be the idea that if Superman was real, half the people wouldn't trust him, you know, kind of thing. That's just, especially like now, like where we are, like we see like, like so many of our heroes have feats of clay kind of thing. So like people would assume like he maybe he's like, there's something like wrong. He's, you know, but like, 
Snyder pretty much did it. I feel like Superman would be a little more broody, a little more edgy, you know, like now. But like, I but then I get I, the, the criticisms for those movies. I get where people are, are like, well, it's Superman. I don't want to see real world. I want to see like the fantasy of Superman. So, so yeah. I mean, it's just if if that's that, then you should just watch the Christopher Reeve movies because they still exist. You know, like I, I think there's there's room for like all different interpretations, like. The one thing I will, like, I, I, love, I do love the Zack Snyder movies, but I do see objectively, like, how I said my first inter- my, my first touchstone of Superman was the Christopher Reeve movie that I saw at three years old or four years old. When I have kids, I'm not going to show them the Zack Snyder movies when they're three. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? So, so there is that, like, I do think those movies were made for, like, us now. You know what I mean? Like, like teenagers and older, like, that's kind of what they were, like, made for. You know, they're not, they weren't made for kids. So maybe that's kind of where a lot of parents probably kind of bristled up against those movies, you know, cause, cause they see a Superman Batman movie. They're like, wait, what? Like, I can't take my kid to it. Like, you know, so maybe that's where some of that came from, but I think for like adults, those were pretty spot on good movies, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree, man. I'm with you. And you know, one of the things that I asked you before and, and I appreciate, you know, your response when I asked you about, you know, how your first exposure to the character shaped your view of Superman and, you know, this is something that I've reflected on a lot in thinking about the death of Superman. And, you know, we're just talking about some of the criticisms that you often hear. That he's not relatable or he's too powerful. Again, I, you know, the first story that I ever read, he dies. So this whole notion of like, oh, well, he's too strong. That never carried any weight with me, you know. And so I think, yeah. you know, that was definitely one way um, that my first exposure to the character shaped my view. But I think at an even deeper level, it was the fact that he was the last one standing. And in fairness, we didn't have the strongest version of the Justice League in the comics at the time. But nevertheless, everyone else fell. And he was the last one, and he was the only one who could go the distance. This is where the Rocky fan in me comes in. But he was the only one who could go the distance, and he was willing to make the sacrifice. And so like what you were saying about the inherent goodness, the compassion, the willingness to sacrifice, uh, the ability to go the distance when no one else could. I mean, you know, I think these are the things that uh, have made me appreciate the character so much for so long. And, and it all, for me at least was there in my first exposure to him. Yeah, dude, totally. I agree with all of that. And, and you're right. Like I knew that Superman died in the comics. So that argument of like, he's too strong to me, that doesn't really hold weight either. But it, yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the, the idea that he won't give up no matter what, that's kind of one of the driving factors of why the character is so cool. You know, so yeah. he does, he does kind of have an underdog thing to him. Like I know people who don't like Superman probably roll their eyes, like us uh, saying that, but it's there, man. It's there in the, in the story. It's there. Uh, let's do just a quick, uh, quick lightning round. Uh, the red, red trunks. Yes or no? Yeah. I don't, I don't really like them. I mean, I've, I've gone on record saying this, like my dad loves them. My, I know fans, some fandom like them. I have, I think objectively they don't look good. Like I think they're like goofy looking like personally, I mean, I will still draw him with the red trunks obviously. Cause that's like what he looks like now. But um, yeah, I, I liked, I liked the design when they took them off. I thought it looked cool in, in Man of Steel and stuff and the new 52 suit and the rebirth suit. Like I thought it looked great. Like just the straight blue with the red belt. Like I thought it looked good. Like, I didn't think it like changed what he looked like. And it just made him like a little more modern and less tied to like the twenties, like strong man, you know? Yeah. I don't have any, uh, I don't really have a super, uh, I, like I don't have that strong of a feeling about it. I don't mind the trunks, but when they 
did away with them. I, I wasn't offended and I didn't rejoice when they brought them back. I could just kind of take them or leave them. And I think, I mean, again, you're the artist here, but I think as long as visually you have something to break up all the blue, I think it's yeah. fine. I don't think it needs to be trunks. You know? Yeah. Like, well, I, to me, it's just like, like it just objectively doesn't look cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and same thing with Batman. Like I don't want Batman in the trunks either. Like, I just think it's one of those things that's from a, like an era that, has no cultural touchstone whatsoever anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so like the, the circus strongman with the underwear on the outside, like that's something that nobody knows what that is. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I just think it's something that doesn't necessarily, isn't really necessary for the character, but those decisions are above my pay grade. So, you know, uh, okay. but, but I, I don't, I don't hate them. Like, it's not like I like take them or leave them kind of thing. Like what you said. All right. Let's continue our lightning round here. I got a couple more uh, like visual questions for you. When uh, when Superman returned from the dead, he had longer hair. Many have described this as a mullet. I think the artists would would uh, counter that it wasn't really a mullet; it was just longer hair. But in any event, the the long hair. Any thoughts on that? You like it, or or you prefer the classic? Badass. You like you love like the long, the long hair. hair. Love the long hair, dude. Yeah, it's not a mullet. It's not a mullet. <laughs> Dan Jurgens has gone record saying it's not a mullet. It's just. Just it's long just hair. Straight up, it's long hair. The reason it looks melody is because I think they're making the artist do the curl, and the curl is kind of short. So I think that's where the mullet thing comes from. But I think it looks badass, and I think they should do more stuff like that with Superman. Like changes looks. Like when I, dude, when I was a kid, I had the action figure with the long hair. Man, I thought that was so cool when I was a kid. Long hair all the way. And then uh, you know we talked about the costume, and obviously we all know the the classic Superman costume. But do you have a favorite? alternate version of the costume yes i do it's uh <laughs> it's the uh square enix made a line of action figures that were like variants of the they're like anime inspired variants of the characters and their version of superman i thought was badass he's got like armor like plating and um he actually has the red underwear in that version of it and like it's it's got like armor plating and like it's just very like tech looking kind of and i thought it just looked super cool like kind of like a samurai mixed with knight mixed with superman i just love that version of him um but in terms of like the comic book alternate versions uh i do really like the new 52 costume um like and i liked yeah probably probably the new 52 costume i would go with um i like the rebirth one the second rebirth one the one that i drew in trinity but i thought the belt was too thick mm. That's the one thing I didn't like about that, like how thick the belt was. So I think my my perfect Superman costume would be, the, do you remember the first Rebirth suit when he had the blue boots with the, the thin belt? Okay, yeah, yeah. That, but with red boots, I think would be the, like, okay. my perfect version of an alternate suit. But, like, I really did like the new 52 one, too. I thought that was cool. Right on. What, what about you? you what, do you have a favorite alternate? Not the electric costume, that's for sure. Uh, the 90s were... <laughs> The 90s were rough, man, but uh, the late 90s, I should say. Uh, probably the black the black suit when he returns from the Black game. suit's cool. Black suit's really cool. Yeah, I like no cape. Like the, the strap with the pouches on the leg. I don't know. Yeah, that was cool. With the long hair, that was cool. I hope, side tangent, I hope that in the, <laughs> the cider cut, he's got the long hair, but I don't think he's long too. No, I think that's I think that's <laughs> asking for a bit much, but we have the black costume yeah. confirmed, so, uh, so, so I'll take it. Uh, I was going to ask you a favorite... Uh, live action uh you know uh, actor to you know to play the character but i think you've answered that right christopher reeve for superman tom welling for clark yeah yeah that's probably probably i mean 
Tom Willing, I know we talked about this, but I feel like Tom Willing in some ways kind of edges him out just because he played him for so long. You know what I mean? Sure. But he was never really wore the suit. So like Christopher's version in the suit was so spot on to me. So yeah, it's a combo of those guys. Favorite villain. Ooh, this is, this is a good question. Huh? You know, I don't think I've thought too much about the probably maybe dark side or I mean, dark side is a good one that you can fight. Um, Trying to think visually of the ones that I like to draw. Um, Brainiac's a cool one. I think he's a a pretty cool villain to use because he's got like, he can't just punch him to death. There's got to be more to it, you know, because he's he's essentially like a virus. Um, Yeah, I mean, Lobo was always great in the animated series too. So, yeah, I'm... (laughs) Uh, some of my friends in the industry make fun of me for this. Like, I, I don't really like villains in general. Like, I don't like have like a fandoms of villains at all. So, like, I don't really like think about the villains that much. So, that's kind of like a negative. To me, it's more like who's a cool one for them to fight is kind of like to me. Like, that's the purpose the villain serves. Is like so. It's pretty much what it comes down to for me. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. What about you? I mean, I'd probably go Lex, but beyond Lex. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've never been a huge Brainiac fan. I don't dislike the character and I get why he works as an adversary and I see the value of the character, but I've never, I don't know that I've ever been like, oh yeah, Brainiac story. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, yo, I mean, General Zod. Yes. General Zod is like the best villain for Superman. Yeah. I think Zod in terms of, you know, he can challenge Superman Mentally, which Lex can, but physically as well. And you have the tie to his home planet and the history with Jor-El. There's a lot there. I think yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, how rich the character is, I think Zod is, is definitely up there. I'm with you with Darkseid. And, you know, it's funny, you know, we, we touched briefly on the Bruce Tim animated series. And, you know, I watched it as a kid and I enjoyed it. And, you know, when my son is a little bit older, I look forward to sitting him down and having him watch it. Because it's, you know, real, you know, uh, classic, straightforward, like solid take on the character. Mm-hmm. But I found for the most part, I don't know that I would I would really call it like the most exciting, you know, Superman show I've ever seen. But the New Gods episodes are hands down my favorite. And so uh, that in particular, I think, uh, gave me an affinity for Darkseid and specifically Darkseid as an antagonist to Superman. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, a, he's a character that Superman kind of cut loose against, you know, like, so like physically, like use all the powers so that he's definitely like up there for me. Yeah. And he looks, he looks, he just looks badass too. You know, he's got like a, like the monolithic kind of like shape to him and stuff. Right. For sure. And then last one, Lois or Lana? Oh, Lois. It's obviously it's Lois. Lois. But, but as someone who watched Smallville for 10 years, was there ever a point where that wavered, where you wavered a little bit on that? No, no, I, uh, I always saw it as like, like Lana was like, is his, his first love, but Lois is his true love kind of thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's like that distinction, you know, which is like, I mean, people in real life date multiple people. They're not like the first girl that you ever really eyes on is not the one like you end up with the rest of your life. Usually, I mean, I'm sure someone has done that, but like, like, I think it's, it's realistic for the characters to have like 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 a romantic kind of how do I, how do I describe that uh, timeline as a, not, not that he's dating them both at the same time. That's not what I meant, but I mean like the Superman would never do that. But I mean like the idea that there's 
like a life to the character that isn't just like status quo constantly, you know? Right. No, I'm with you. And I mean, again, I, I was quite a fan of Lana. If you'd asked me that question, you know, like season two or three of the show. Now, ultimately I still would have said, I still would have said Lois, but I think that's one of the things that made Smallville interesting was that, you know, unlike a lot of the like, will they, won't they, you know, love stories that we see on television and in movies. I mean, this was a doomed love story and you knew that going in. And, you know, I think that colored everything that you saw between Clark and Lana as much as they had, you know, a lot of chemistry and, you know, you wanted to see that relationship explored, you know, ultimately you knew um, that it wasn't going to work, but that he had his great truest love, you know, right mm-hmm. around the corner. Um, I think that was one of the things that, and I think the, you know, the Clark Lex relationship um, that really, you know, made that show so special, at least for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kristen Crook's like, like that version of the character. I mean, that was the, my first introduction. Did, did you even know who Lana was before Smallville? Like, yeah. did, you, did you even, Oh, cause I, I, I didn't even know who she was. Like I, that was literally the first introduction I ever had to that character. So like at first I was just like, Oh, it's this high school girlfriend. But then like, as the show went on, I got more into the comics. Like as that show was going on, it was the same period when I started reading comics a lot. So it was like kind of like tangential where like I started understanding the different levels of like all the characters and stuff. Gotcha. I mean, I wish I I, I have a question for you. Who's your favorite character for Superman to team up with? Oh, that is a really good question. I mean, I hate to give such a, an expected standard answer, but, but probably Batman. And I know, you know, you're a fellow fan of the Jeff Loeb, Superman, Batman run. And I think that those stories in particular, where you really got in the heads of both characters and you saw the way they viewed each other, I think that made me appreciate the dynamic between them uh, in a way that I hadn't before. So I'd probably say Batman. What about you? So like my, my I was originally going to say Flash because I love the Flash. He's probably like my second favorite DC character or for, depending on the day. Like I know in the past I told you Flash is my favorite, but I mean, if I'm being honest, Superman's definitely the best. But um, I, I think I'd have to say Green Lantern like um, because I like the idea that they can like – if Superman is in space with Green Lantern, Superman's usually out of his element and they usually are both able to like team up to fight like a really powerful villain. So like they both kind of have like the cut loose sort of aspect going on with them and they both like, I feel like their power sets work kind of well together, you know, but they're also personality wise, depending on which Green Lantern you're talking about, like Hal is just, way like so cocky shore like you know like in his personality i think like works well against superman's you know whereas if it's like john stewart it would be almost the opposite to me like superman be more the like if it was them teaming up superman would be kind of more the i mean a less of a degree of what how would be but superman would be more the cocksure one going off and i think john stewart would be more like the reserved kind of tactical one of the two in the that sort of scenario yeah no, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I think he he pairs well because there are different dynamics that you can play. Yeah, even just within the Green Lantern Corps or, you know, just within the DC universe generally. Well, going back to Flash, are you like, do you enjoy when they race? Do you do you uh, do you buy into Because it like I've never honestly and if and for fans who like this, like right on, that's cool. I've never understood the appeal of this question, of, like who's faster Superman has all, it's like Superman has all these powers. Flash has one thing. Let him be the fastest. I just, I never understood this. Well, but also the Flash, like, 
runs faster than time. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's like the flash is faster, <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah, it's yeah. There's no, no, uh, no, no contest there to me. Yeah. yeah. Listen, we've been going for, uh, just about an hour and a half. Uh, I can't oh, tell wow. you how yeah. much, I can't tell you how much fun this has been. Oh, totally, man. Totally. It's always good to hang out and talk about Superman and just, just hang out and talk with anyone during these uh, COVID times. <laughs> you're this in the far future. This is during the, uh, the COVID pandemic when we've been locked inside and not able to talk to anybody. So I know, no, this is, this is great. You know, I was originally going to launch the show in 2021 and I just said, you know what? I'm excited to do this. I don't want to wait. I think I think people would enjoy this. Like, let's, let's get going. I, I, I just couldn't wait anymore. Uh, and so, like I said, I was so happy to have you on for this first one. I can't wait to have you back. I think you'll get sick of me by the time this is done. Cause I'm going to say, Hey, do you want to do this one? Do you want to do that one? <laughs> uh, never, never. I just hope your listeners don't get sick of hearing me. Cause, uh, if we, if we start talking Superman a lot, they'd be like, okay, we get it. You like Superman. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I would hope if someone's listening to digging for kryptonite, hopefully they're, uh, <laughs> they're, they're a fellow fan, or at least they're curious enough that they want to hear this sort of thing. So episodes are going to come out bi-weekly. So every two weeks, you'll get a fresh installment of Digging for Kryptonite. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm Anthony. I'm the host. Uh, so you'll, you'll hear from me uh, every episode, and I'm going to have a different guest on uh, with each installment. But uh, my plan is to, is to really kind of use a, a, a pretty regular roster of guests, including yourself, sir. And I think pretty much the, the, the people you hear over these first couple months of the show, I think these are uh, among the, the people that you'll hear uh, on, on a pretty regular basis. And so, you know, Ken, we've, we've already talked about you coming back to talk about Zack Snyder, to talk about the Jeff Loeb Superman Batman run. We'll definitely do some Smallville stuff. Can't uh, wait for that one. You, you pitched an awesome episode that I, that I'm really looking forward to doing where we talk about the visual evolution of Superman. And I think your perspective and your background as an artist, I think will, will make for a really great episode. Yeah, that'll be fun for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I do want to say like, I, I like all versions of Superman. So if I said something like in this episode where someone's like, like the underwear, for example, they're like, well, I, I love the underwear. So, so screw you. If you don't like, I like, I'll take the underwear too. It's fine. Like, like I'll take all versions of Superman. Like I, I think there's room for interpretation. Like I don't uh, like vehemently hate any take on it. Like to me, they're all valid and they're all like, they're all like a melting pot that, that kind of creates the tapestry of this character that then people you know, next year, five years, 10 years from now can riff on what is being done now, you know? So I think that's, what's so cool about the DC comics characters in that regard, you know? Absolutely. And for anyone who wants to check out your art, buy original art, commission you, where, where should they go? Okay. Um, so I'm on Twitter at, at VK Marion and Instagram at VK Marion. Um, and I'm repped by modern mythology comic art. So, um, you can check those guys out online. Um, my art reps, Josh Raybuck, and he's got a bunch of my originals ready to go right now for sale. And, um, also you can contact him about getting commissions, um, for me. And he reps a bunch of other really talented artists as well. So check all those guys out. And, um, yeah, I think that's all my associates, my social handles. Um, Yeah. Right on. Well, again, I had a blast. I can't wait until we do this again. Oh, yeah, totally. Dude, thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. My pleasure. And I want to thank everyone uh, sincerely for tuning in to this premiere episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope that you'll be back in two weeks. We're going to uh, have the first of two episodes breaking down the uh, Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly uh, era of the Superman comics from the early 2000s. Uh, so I hope that you'll come back for that. And until then, remember, it's about what you do 
It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Shegel, music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to My Comic Shop History, available on most major podcast platforms. Sign up for exclusive additional content, including the Digging for Kryptonite companion podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. And watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.